Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture. Welcome fans to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me to my left, Drew Douglas. What's up? You have some web slingers here. Uh, what is that? A hologram type machine that you got from Mr. Beck? I got a brand new player, pair of sunglasses, and it tells me if you're wearing boxers or briefs. Those, those are looking pretty sharp. Well, it's a good thing that I'm wearing my uh, reflector pants. That way you can't see. You can't see through it. Well, fans, thanks for joining us here on Quality Check Podcast. There's a little tease for you. We are going to be covering Spider-Man Far From Home. If you're unfamiliar with Quality Check, we cover a new movie and return to something that we have seen before, or in this case, we haven't. It's just old. And we see how this movie holds up to today's standards. In this case, we've got Spider-Man Far From Home and... Far From Home, The Adventures of Yellow Dog Aww. that was released in 1995. We'll get into that here later in this podcast episode. But we wanted to start off this episode with something that's a little original. Well, we're taking an idea that, Drew, you came up with called the movie review game. And it's called Spot the Fake. And it's going to be where I present four bits of trivia. You have to spot... The fake among that. Wait, are we doing that right now? Yeah. All right, let's do it. We'll kick it off. Now, this Spot the Fake segment is inspired by Far From Home, The Adventures of Yellow Dog. So this is just on that movie. Well, do we want to do that before we do Yellow Dog? We can hold off. Let's hold it. Okay. I'm sweating. We'll do it right after. I'm nervous. Give me some time to kind of ease into this. Okay. It's very hot in this room, by the way. It, there's something wrong with the AC, and I'm not sure what happened, but it has just been like staying in an oven. And I it's feel not like you're trying to sweat me out. <laughs> just to prepare for the trivia game, Spot the Fake. So this episode will work this way. Spider-Man Far From Home, The Adventures of Yellow Dog, then the anticipated Spot the Fake segment. Do you, right off the bat, do you think Sony biffed it? No. I don't think so. I'm really surprised that they and that Sony and Marvel are working so well together. It's got there has to be a moment where Sony's like, you know what? We'll just take this. They're gonna screw out. this up. I know they will. After Venom did so well, I feel like it's almost a guarantee. That's how I feel. Maybe not. Speaking of Venom, watched it yesterday afternoon oh. for the second time. So you bought it? That's on Stars. Okay. Two words come to mind. Underwhelming. Secret masterpiece. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of, I love it. The complaints that I had the first time watching it, I didn't have as much the second time around. Hmm. I need to return to it then, because I remember thinking that it was just a total cheese fast. 
It is, but it's fun. They know what they're doing. I guess hmm. my concern is they really want to team up Spider-Man and Venom. Sony yeah. does. And that's how we're going to screw this all up. Um, yeah, mainly because of the R rating with Venom and the second one that will be coming out here. Have they even started production Venom on was PG-13. Oh, well, oh, for some reason I thought, well, it was pushing the line then of being R. But no, they, don't you really. think? Do you, no. <laughs> no. From what I remember with the death scenes, those were a little graphic. It's cheesy. I remember that and the the turd joke about him like biting his arms and legs. Yeah, up. if you're if you ever need to figure out how to end a movie, you just make <laughs> make a turd joke and then just play an Eminem song. Speaking of recess humor, we end up having a lot of that with Spider-Man: Far From Home. We return to a lot of those jokes that are just juvenile. And we've been keeping track of this for a long time now. But I'm I don't know if it's Kevin Feige or someone up high. They have like a dick joke quota where every movie has to have at least one. And if you can put in two or three more, then Feige just goes nuts. I think they get a bonus if they're able to fit in more than the quota. Because this one had like four. Let's get into it. You going to be the next Iron Man now? Well, no, I don't have time. I'm too busy doing your jobs. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Look, keep up the good work because I am going on vacation. Heads up, Nick Fury's calling you. I don't really want to talk to Nick Answer Fury. The phone. Why? Because if you don't talk to him, then I have to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. You sent Nick Fury to voicemail? I gotta go. You do not ghost Nick Fury. What up, dorks? What's up? We're just talking about the trip. I'm here in St. Marco Polo's. Oh, I think MJ really likes me. That reminds me when I first fell in love. You're a very difficult person to contact, Spider-Man. The movie is directed by John Watts, who returns after doing Homecoming. It was written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. They were among six people credited for writing Homecoming. Just if you like can the last it. one. And uh, you know what else they helped with in the MCU? Hmm, that it's really coming back to me, but I can't. It's not um, Thor, is it? No, they helped with Ant Man and the Wasp. Okay. And then they wrote the turd fest Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Oh. I'm not going to sidetrack. The trailer for that new Jumanji movie looks so bad. <laughs> that looks like the dumbest thing. All I can do that is That first laugh. one's awful. The Rock says, or Dwayne Johnson said, that it's going to be easily your the most fun you'll have at the movies this year. Well, he's an idiot, though. Oh. Uh, box office for Far From Home. $92 million for the weekend. It came out on a Tuesday, so for the six-day total... $185 million, 577 all around the world. That's, That's better than expectations. That is better than expectations. Rotten Tomatoes score as of today, 91% from critics. And I don't know if we care about this anymore because Rotten Tomatoes makes you, you have to be verified as a user to rate something. But of those verified ratings, 96% Ooh. on Rotten Tomatoes. So people like it. Do you know what the budget is for this? I think it's like one. 40, 150? One, $160 million. Okay. And then if you don't know the plot, Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, is recruited by Nick Fury and Mysterio to face elemental threats from another dimension while he is on a school trip to Europe. So we were introduced to Spider-Man in one movie, and in the sequel, we're already taking him away from New York City, <laughs> which is what everybody thinks about when they think about Spider-Man. Got to get him out. Or one of the things. 
this is the second Spider-Man movie. Well, I think at MCU. this point he's appeared in what five movies, mm-hmm. so we have an idea of who Spider-Man is. So the first, let's just get this out of the way. First things first, is this movie any good? I'll say absolutely. Yeah, it's fun. I'll say yeah. What do you think works the best? I got three things. Third, there's a lot of teenage humor in here that's not going back to what I was saying, the juvenile humor, but that teen romance, going back to is what you had said, the best friend scenario, them basically talking about on the plane ride over there, who are you going to hook up with? You're a single guy. You got to hook up with someone who, you know, is a foreign student or someone that you don't know. I'm wondering how the first half of this movie plays when you rewatch it. Okay. Because the first hour, not a lot happens in terms of action, Mm -hmm. but it's very, the John Hughes vibe of teen love in high school. And it was was that going abroad feeling. Which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, yes. Okay. Uh, That's my number one. That's the thing that I like the most about this, because we go, we literally shoot across the States. It's so weird on paper, but it seemed to work well in this film. I just like whenever we take characters and it's basically the idiot abroad approach. You displace them somewhere where they really aren't comfortable. How do they react? How do they respond? I love that. I don't know if I love it. Really? I, I After coming out of this movie, I wanted to return to it and see it. Now, I want to say that I don't dislike it, but it feels like it feels like a story plan that you have when it's the fourth movie. And you're like, how do we freshen this up a little bit? <laughs> the European and they're like, vacation. oh, let's go to Europe. <laughs> That's the impression I got where it felt story-wise in terms of, let's say this is a trilogy and then we're going to start a new trilogy. It felt somehow rushed. Yes, but I'm wondering if a lot of that is why I like it that much because it literally jumps forward and... We obviously have Spider-Man in the other Avengers films, and he, with this being his second headlining film, it seemed, like I said on paper, like you were jumping the shark, jumping the gun, going too far too fast. But I don't think so. There was a moment by the end of this movie when we're back in New York City, he's swinging around. And that's when I felt, this is exactly what I want. And we have, it's taken literally two movies to finally get to that point. So maybe by the third one, that's all we're going to get is him swinging around New York City. I wonder if the reason for them displacing Spider-Man and putting him in Europe is not only this giant landscape that he's covering, but we see Spider-Man in a way we've never seen him. And it plays off with this high school feeling a lot that we really haven't received. And that will greatly change in the next Spider-Man movie and other, I think, Avengers films that we see with Spider-Man. One of my favorite things about this movie is something everyone else is gushing about. And his name is Jake Gyllenhaal. He plays Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio. And for the, maybe the first hour of this movie, I could not figure out. I was like, I don't get why everyone loves this guy. <laughs> like, he's just okay. And then there's a turn. By the way, spoilers. We always spoil stuff. Yeah. So this movie pulls a fast one. And one of my favorite things about it is when it ended, too, I also felt this is the new Iron Man 3, which I love Mm -hmm. Iron Man 3, but it has a twist in there that really pissed people off. This one has a twist, too, where I was, like, pulled in one direction because at first you think Peter Parker has been given these special glasses by Tony Stark. 
Peter gives those to Quentin Beck. He's like, I can't handle this. I don't want to do this. You take it, you're a new Avenger. And I immediately was like, no, 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 no. I don't want Mysterio as an Avenger. Not a good idea. And then within seconds, we get the big twist, which we all saw coming, right? Mysterio is the bad guy. Of course, he's got some connection to Tony Stark because Tony Stark, even in death, is ruining (laughs) the lives of everyone around him. Then we get the Jake Gyllenhaal that I expected. He's yeah. It's, it's when Gyllenhaal really goes for it. I also love his funness. They're just he's fun. He just going. I wouldn't say full ham, but he's just enjoying himself on camera. Did you love him as a villain? Yeah, I I enjoyed seeing like what you were saying. His motivation inspired by Tony, and he's like, "You're out of the way. I'm moving in." Two movies in, Tony Stark is the catalyst for both villains. We have to stop that, right? It will stop after this. It has to stop. Now, that that's the other thing that I liked. It deals with how this character's handling grief. I think we haven't seen that in the MCU, and it's fascinating to see the way that they address it, literally from the top of this movie, in memoriam. Comparing this to Homecoming, which as we've talked about before, has risen in my MCU ranks. It's probably my favorite MCU movie at this point. I did not get the same feeling that I get with Homecoming. Hmm. It's a movie that I really liked, but it's missing the it factor of Homecoming that when that movie is over, I instantly want to start it again. Hmm. Yeah, that's... Because for me, it's almost the opposite of whenever this was done. I'm like, I want to go back and rewatch that just because of how fun and lighthearted it is even though it deals with serious issues. It's weird, too, because I think Mysterio is the better villain, and visually I think he's more interesting. But something about Homecoming always brings me back to it. Is it the fact that it's basically rebranding and rebooting Spider-Man? Maybe. That was one of the other issues I had with this movie is, at this point, we had the Raimi trilogy. They rebooted it in favor of Mark Webb's two-movie um, story which didn't finish and now so we're rebooting for the third time and every time you reboot you have to change something with Amazing Spider-Man we went from having Mary Jane to Gwen Stacy she's the focus and then with these new ones now we're focusing on MJ again but she's not the traditional MJ so every time we have to find some way to tweak it we're never going to get at this point I've realized watching this we're never going to get the Spider-Man that we all know and love as a whole. There's always going to be something that they have to change to keep it fresh. Maybe that's somehow lingering with how I feel about this one. I was not looking forward to this. Not necessarily like I didn't want to see it, but it just wasn't anywhere on my anticipated list, most anticipated list. I will say this is one of my favorite movies of this year so far. Because we've had a lot of just absolute stinkers. (laughs) Which is a shame. A lot of potential this year, but... This was, even though I had a lot of things I loved about it, there were a few things that I did not like, but I'm able to overlook that. I just don't understand why Tony, Tony has never learned anything, (laughs) I guess is my thing. He gives Peter these basically all-powerful sunglasses. Yeah. Why would you give that, give it to Pepper Potts? You would think so. It's named Edith after, uh, even in death, I'm still the hero, is yeah. that, or I'm I'm the hero. I'm the hero, yeah. And I'm like, you're still causing just mayhem for everyone <laughs> around you. 
So what was your least favorite thing? I'll say, I guess I'm really confused about Spider-Man and how he can die. Like, what are the things that would kill Spider-Man? Because the way that it's set up in here, in this movie, Spider-Man is hit by a speeding train, and he survives. He's banged up, but basically Mysterio puts him through the ringer, and I didn't quite get that. Maybe that's just my ignorance based on this character, but I was left feeling confused. Not mad, but just like, what is something that could kill Spider-Man? The other thing, I once had a huge fan of the blip. Like, Oh, you didn't like that? It, I mean, I love the explanation. I love that they open with that. But the title, The Blip, I oh. don't know. It's been, it's been on my mind a lot. But I they, guess they're just trying to title it and go forward with it. But I didn't. It's like really? a blip in time because they come back and they haven't changed. Yeah, that's true. And maybe I just like the snap. I always think of it as every other MCU fan out there. But now well, to would, these characters. I guess that? at that point, if that actually happened, we would know that Thanos was the cause of it and mm-hmm. he snapped his fingers. Yeah. I mean, you could still call it the snap. True. Do you want to know the worst thing about this movie? Is it Zendaya? Do you feel like it's Zendaya? It's most definitely not. It's Sam Jackson. He's so obnoxious in this movie. He's like kind of turned into someone, but it's because I feel like it's not Nick Fury. We get to the reveal that it's not actually Nick Fury, but the entire movie I was like, this he is awful. Get him out of this movie. (laughs) Because he was so hostile towards Peter Parker. I hated I hated Sam Jackson in this. That's interesting. I never really thought a lot about it, but he got a lot of laps in our theater. I didn't think he was funny. I found him aggravating. I think Maria's very boring and bland. She offers absolutely nothing. But Sam Jackson was the worst. Interesting. I I remember not being too put off by him, but he definitely came at this with an attitude that we have not necessarily seen before. Maybe, and I was thinking, is it because he's trying to bully around a high school kid? It all makes sense because we find out that Talos is actually Nick mm-hmm. Fury in this. So... It's obvious that it was done for a reason. I also have complaints with the end credit scene. And we get two of them. Mm-hmm. One of them we just talked about is that Nick Fury wasn't Nick Fury after all. I'd, it, it sets up kind of the Skrull's Secret Wars story, which is fine. But it plays off as a laugh. It's stupid. I think they could have done that in a more serious way. Do you think that that made the Nick Fury stuff more bearable, knowing that it was not Nick Fury? Like the Nick Fury? Yeah, but do we need it? And then the first end credit scene is Peter's finally swinging through New York City, and then we're introduced, one, to the return of J. Jonah Jameson, who is J.K. J.K. Simmons. And, and by the way, in the theater, I could not hear most of what he said because the theater erupted as soon as he came on screen. So like we, clapping, standing, shouting, the works. So he's back, and he says, we got video from Mysterio, and it proves that Spider-Man is the bad guy. And then we get the revelation that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And I think I hate both of these storylines. And I was reading on this today. They said they didn't want to introduce him in Homecoming. They just didn't want it. It was just too early. And then, so by the end of this movie, we're reintroduced to J. Jonah Jameson, which is fine. 
I just don't feel like it's earned. We got to plant the seeds for why he's doing what he's doing in that first movie, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And now he's already revealing that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. I'm just like, I, I think I get it. It's like the reverse Tony Stark. Right. Which is fine. It just worries me about the future because I want one more set in high school. It's, I, I, just, I like the secret identity aspect of this. Unless that really positions this film in a way that we haven't seen Spider-Man, and it will, but how will Peter deal with this in high school and try to cover this up and remain... What if he doesn't cover it up? He's just like, I am Spider-Man and I I go to school and... Well, and it's funny that you say that because at the beginning of this film, while watching it, I wondered if it was leaving enough breadcrumbs to foreshadow the second coming of an Iron Man. And that's what happened with this. I think this one kind of sets up maybe introducing Kraven the Hunter, which would be a really good third movie. I'm interested to see what they do because John Watts admitted that by doing what they did, they have put them like painted themselves into a corner. He kind of played dumb and said, I don't know how we're going to get out of it. (laughs) We're going to have to figure it out. They clearly have an idea or they wouldn't have been allowed to do it. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's just not a story that I necessarily like. The Nick Fury one caught me off guard because it is not necessarily about the reveal that it's not Nick Fury, but it's where Nick Fury is. And you also are questioning how long has he been off the planet? How long has he been not Nick Fury there on Earth? And I feel like it's only for Spider-Man Far From Home. And after that, he's like taken off after Endgame because it's like, okay, we need to get Nick Fury out of here somewhere that maybe is more safe, but where he's able to assemble a team not just on Earth, but across galaxies. Now, there were theories that the Nick Fury that we've been watching all these years is not Nick Fury, mm-hmm. but they have gone on the on the record to say that's not true. There's also another major theory that's roaming around right now that Tony Stark was not the real Tony Stark who died. And that, I'm serious. I but I feel like they're gonna. That's what I expected in the end credits that they were gonna find a way to bring him back, or he was gonna be some sort of AI, mm. and that's how he lives on. And they didn't do it, but I, I, I was, would not be surprised. I was expecting that with Edith, the voice of Edith. I was waiting any second for that to fire up, and it's actually Tony. Would you be okay with that? I would. I think that would be awesome. I, I would actually be 100% okay if that's the way that we have Tony. But what if he's introduced as like a vision? I don't necessarily need to see Tony again. I don't think you need to see him. Yeah. One other, not to go back to one other thing that I did not like. We're, we're going to make this quick. But in the previews, and they made a big deal about how Mysterio was not from this earth. Ugh. We find out that he is, in fact, from this earth, and it was all staged. The whole story, his backstory. Super disappointed that there's, at this point, no multiverse. There has to be, but they just never set that up. That's such a good idea because it's an easy way to introduce things that we have not seen before, like the X-Men. How great would it have been if in the mid-credits or post-credits, we see the alternate Mysterio come through and he's like walking around New York City and... We don't know, is Mysterio the one that's bad? Did he die? Or is he alive? Or is this from another branch of the MCU as they set up an endgame that's been opened, and this has allowed another 
Mr. Beck to come in, and maybe he's the good version. I would be shocked if he doesn't come back at some point. In the Sinister Six. That's the other thing that I, I thought we were setting up a Sinister Six movie by the end of this movie, or revealing that Oscorp had bought Stark Tower, something to flesh out the whole Spider-Man universe. And it just, I feel like they, maybe at this point, they don't know what they're going to do. Because both these, they suck. <laughs> I'm going on the record. They Sony debt. So, movie MVP. I've got mine. Who you got? Because I love a good high school yarn. I love teen romance. I'm not saying I like enjoy watching it in a weird way. But I like watching stuff set in high schools, and that involves love stories sometimes on television shows or in movies. So I really liked Peter and, and MJ. Mm-hmm. I thought Ned and Betty were hilarious. They were quite funny to me. I, I think I gave her the MVP in Homecoming. I, Zendaya is the best thing about these movies. You know, you said that about Homecoming, and I want to go back and rewatch Homecoming after Far From Home. And if anything, this movie has inspired me to do so more than I normally would have been inspired. So I want to do that. And Zendaya in this, I had so much fun with her. I loved her more in this than I did in Homecoming. Well, they do a good job of fleshing her out. And I think mm-hmm. actually most of these characters get fleshed out in one way or another. So she's, is she your MVP? She's or you, close. Or are you going to go with Jake Gyllenhaal? Nope. It's not a person. Oh, it's not a person? Yeah. Hmm. Even though I was very close to going with Zendaya, though, because what? she's fantastic. What is it? The European setting. Oh, that's good. I, and once again, we go back to this. Does it feel maybe too forced? Are they jumping the gun? But it would just... Anytime you take characters and you put them where they feel like they're able to enjoy themselves and they're not, but they're also this kind of fish out of water and they're trying to navigate a world that they're unfamiliar with. I love that. I love those stories. And also, Europe, there's a lot of eye candy that they're able to set these action pieces against. It's a good idea, too, because it brings, it's a fun way to, and an easy way to get all these characters together again, including the teachers. Like, yep. Martin Starr is really funny in this. There are just a lot of relatable moments in this. Like, you end up seeing how, like, setting up this teen romance, like what you're saying, how awkward it is at times, and what friends have said, like, Ned trying to, like, come off as, like, this playboy. And then he, you know, is this man by the end of this who has learned so much over the course of their time there, and he's now this old and wise man, even though he's just like a week older. Like, stuff like that is hilarious. And I'm like, it seems like something that's happened that I can remember in in high school with random things. Just minus the superhero aspect. Yeah, very relatable. John Hughes, baby. YouTube moment. I got one stands out to me, and it's the Mysterio reveal that he's actually a big bad guy. Uh, That's so good. Because that's when you see Gyllenhaal open up. Mm -hmm. And... Then I understood why everyone was loving him so much. But you also see this awesome CG display of him saying, and scene. And that's it. And Spider-Man walks out. That's just so cool the way that that is shot. I'm going with the master illusionist moment where he is trying to kill off Spider-Man. And 
we just have him going off the rails and it's just this nonstop barrage of attacks on Spider-Man. That actually kind of gave me a little anxiety watching it. Overall grade, what are you going to give Far From Home? Seems extremely high. Oh. But I'm going with an A minus. Yeah, I fluctuate between like a B minus and an A minus. That's a full letter grade though. I, I know, but there's things I just don't like about this movie. And I think I will love this movie when I watch it again. So I'm going to say A minus two. I, I really want to now know. It's not know. as good as Homecoming, though. Now, he, here's the thing. Would you go and watch this again in the theater? or do you? Yeah, I think I would, for okay. sure. If I'm, I'm saying right now, if you feel like going to see it again, I'd be in, in the theater. And I rarely feel that way, like it warrants another viewing. This, though, this movie really ranks, in my opinion, along with Ant- the Ant-Man films, where it's just a lighthearted... You deal with certain things, but it definitely comes off as like that film that they're just having fun making. I mean, it's not like the others, they don't have fun, but it just less... I don't know how to really describe it. it it's like not ne- necessarily less meaningful. Well, the stories aren't global. And that can be a lot of fun at times, and I think they were able to capture that. So are you looking forward to the third movie? Actually, now I am. This has kind of rejuvenated my love for Spider-Man because, as I said, after Homecoming, on paper I should have loved it, but with this film, wasn't really anticipating it, but knew I'd see it because of it being in the MCU and also the events following. In-game, I wanted to know how they would handle that, but I really want to know, and especially, how is he going to address his identity being outed. What if he just goes, it's not me, and everyone's like, okay, and that's it. They don't ever go back to it. It would be hilarious. It would be great. I would love that. But that's not going to happen. It would not. That's That won't happen. Yeah. I'm expecting a Tony Stark type situation. MJ, you, li- you like their little love that's blossoming in this movie? Yes, of course I did. <laughs> it's, it's one of the better parts. I mean, there was moments I'm like, just tell her you're Spider-Man. <laughs> And especially whenever they're running around, I, I love the gags too. Whenever they're in like the hotel room, and Ned walks in, and Peter's like taking off his clothes, he's like, "Oh," and he slowly walks out. <laughs> it's good. It's funny. It's good. No, it's not funny though. What's that? Far from home, the adventures of Yellow Dog. All right. Let's now teleport you back to 1995. Lost in an immense wilderness, together they did what neither could do alone. You got six senses, right? Go home. courageous struggle of a boy and a very special friend to do the impossible. Come on. Normally we cover an old film that we've seen before, but this is a first we have not seen Far From Home, The Adventures of Yellow Dog. I don't know how I never saw this movie. I'm, I'm surprised too, especially as we discussed on the podcast In previous episodes, this used to be like, it seemed to me, like a poster child of a VHS film that you'd walk into the video store and you'd see 
the box sitting on the shelf, and it was always there, always staring me in the face. Never rented it. Surprised I never did. I love dogs. I would have been in the fourth grade. It's like right in my wheelhouse. This is a perfect film for you then. I thought this was a Disney movie, but it is not. I thought so too. I mean, it's like probably came out around the same time as White Fang came out. I Mm -hmm. remember seeing that in theaters. Somehow this one slipped my mind. If you're unfamiliar with the story, as I was, and I'm sure you didn't know what it was before watching. You didn't know the story, right? Yeah, I did, because the title says it all. It's The Adventures (laughs) of a Yellow Dog. It's basically you go in expecting Benji, but with uh, a yellow lab. They're far from home, and it's The Adventures of Yellow Dog. I think the title sums it up pretty well. That should actually be the synopsis, and that's all. I have written down, A Young Boy Adopts a Stray Yellow Lab... Did that have you, your heartstrings right there, the lab? Not even lying. I laid in bed with my yellow lab laying next to me as I watched it. <laughs> I was wondering while watching this, Heath, your dog, what, like if he was reacting to this, like looking up. and He didn't care. But I, as I watched <laughs> it, I was like just, you know, giving him some scratches. I was audibly reacting to this dog that was so, so well trained. I don't think I've ever seen a dog on screen this well It looked like he'd been acting in the business for 25 years. Well, we will get to some of that trivia. This better not be trivia about this dog dying. No, it's not about the dog. I I swear, it's not about the dog dying, but it's mostly about the dog. (laughs) And I'm being serious. I don't think I've ever seen a dog behave on screen this well. I have to say Dakota, the dog. Well, I should say, you know, who we end up seeing throughout this film. Great dog. I would assign who put this movie out was it WB? Yeah. If they if this was ninety five and this movie came out, I would assign that dog like a ten picture deal. <laughs> so finishing up the synopsis, a young boy adopts a stray yellow lab, and they embark on a supply run that turns into a journey of survival. It did. You know this film I wrote right after watching it. It reminds me of a mix of films. Old Yeller. It's basically Old Yeller, but you just take the dog and and the boy off the farm and they have to get back, which brings me to Homeward Bound, Lassie, and the Benji films. This film was released on January 13th, 1995 with a runtime of an hour and 20 minutes. It's a breeze. The pacing of this movie is basically hyperdrive. (laughs) It's an hour and 21 minutes. So by the time credits start, you've sunk maybe an hour and 10 minutes. I couldn't believe it. Well, yeah, and there we'll the, get it. The plot is paper thin. Yeah. Well, by the way, the, the some of the things about like what doesn't work that is for me what we'll get into. Uh budget for this film from what I was able to Let dig me up. guess. Let me guess. Yeah. 15 million. Nope, double it. What? How does a movie in 1995 <laughs> cost 30 million? 32 million. And it may probably shooting on water. May and the dog, the cost of the uh, the, oh, the do- dog's other, cheap, and the training and everything. Maybe like half of that. I don't know. Hire that dog from some company though. Here now, they just picked a dog and said, "Train it." And sadly, it only made eleven point six million. And the and that was domestic. Here's the thing: it was written and developed and directed by Philip Borsos. And rest in peace. I don't know. He is a Canadian writer, was a Canadian writer and director. He also wrote One Magic Christmas for Disney, 
I was with Mary Steenburgen. But here's the thing Ooh, that Mary Steenburgen. But wait, wait, this it gets better. He also directed the Mean Season. Came out in 1985. Have you heard of that? Never heard of it. Is it a soccer movie? It stars Kurt Russell. Oh. No, this, this, actually, this is like a pretty. You said that like I was going to lose my mind or something. This is a cool premise. Now I'm I'm hooked. I want to see this. The Mean Season, it's about Kurt Russell, who is an investigative reporter. He is getting ready to get out of the business. He's a young man. He's like, you know what? I'm going to switch careers. But the killer, the last case he covered, contacts him and starts playing a little cat and mouse game with him. And it puts, like it. it puts his wife in jeopardy. Is that Mary Steenburgen? I wish, but it's not. Who is it? I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I He had me at Kurt Russell, and I read the synopsis. I'm like, yep, I'll watch it. No, I have not seen that. Stars a very young Kurt Russell, but uh, that movie means he's in Philip Borsos just directed it. One Magic Christmas he wrote and directed. For this film, Yellow Dog... We have Mimi Rogers, who plays the mother. I was surprised to see Mimi in this. Uh, she's most known for Lost in Space from 1998. And uh, she's most recently in the show Bosch. We also have Jesse Bradford, who plays Angus, the boy. And most notably, I feel like, Bruce Davidson. You may know him for his role as Senator Kelly in X-Men 1 and X2. An actor that everybody knows probably doesn't know their name. He's a good actor. I like him a lot. He's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, Some of the last roles that he played in City is the Last Key, and he's been in a lot of uh, TV and film, smaller roles, I should say. The Last Key is so bad. But you still loved it. I did not love it. I hated (laughs) that movie. Uh, lastly, last but not least, we've got Dakota. Don't forget the dog. I was like, if you don't if you don't say the dog. We're gonna do a timeout. We're gonna we're gonna give that dog special mention. Pull a Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Timeout. We'll just go back in this podcast. So only one dog played Yellow Dog in this. Oh no! Can't say. It's not usually how it works. So. Yeah, I I can't say. That's that's part of trivia. But this is gonna be like in Captain Marvel when like thirty seven cats played <laughs> Gorgie or whatever its name was. Yeah, I can't remember that cat, but Dakota. Much better. That's all I can say. Is Far From Home, The Adventures of Yellow Dog any good? Is it good? Well, it's not bad. I wouldn't say it's good, but I liked it. This is the epitome of a 90s heartwarming Disney-like movie in which it just captures so much of the films that were coming out at that time. I guess. Right? Not, I'm not, I mean, when you watch this, you don't think that's 1995. But so many movies like I, this came out at that moment. I get what you're saying. And maybe this, maybe I'm jumping ahead. But the one question that really stuck with me as I watched this movie, and even after I, I mean, I saw this four days ago, I'm still thinking about it. But I'm like, who is this movie made for? Yeah. Because it's not really fun. Yeah, yeah I would say so. But it's not like super serious where a child can't watch it. I think that was my confusion is like this movie comes out and doesn't do well. One, it came out like January mm-hmm. of 1995. That's the armpit of movie season. At that point. They're like, just dump it in January. <laughs> but, you know, it made $11 million. Is a, that's mm-hmm. what you told me. And I get it. 
Because kids aren't going to go, oh, my God, I have to go see Yellow Dog again. It was so much fun. <laughs> it's not fun. It's very fast-paced, as you said. The I, I will say this film seems like it was made for reruns on TNT and TBS on Saturday and Sundays. The last 15 minutes are harrowing. <laughs> I seriously could barely stand watching this movie. You get was Heath then in your arms, basically? He was still asleep. <laughs> but that's when the dog falls off, I don't know, like a 50-foot bridge. Huge drop off. And I'm like, no! What do you do? And then he's separated from the boy again after they survived in the wilderness. And we don't see the dog again for 10 minutes until the end of the movie when they're reunited. You don't know. Is he alive? Well, you know he's alive. <laughs> But the dog is limping, and oh, I couldn't watch it. It was rough. And that's what—that's the weirdest thing about this movie is the real adventure, the adventure of Yellow Dog is his journey back home, and we don't see it. It's all off screen. Yeah. It's the weirdest movie I've ever seen. They're, tr- they're trying to get home, but they're just marooned on an island? They're marooned, yeah, like on this beach island. I don't, but and, I never... And so it's them surviving for weeks, and we're watching this unfold, and it's rainy, and they're wet, and they're eating bugs, and then the boy's rescued, and the dog's left to literally walk home. That's the story, but we don't ever see it. But you know the reason why we don't see it? It's the same reason that the ranger who rescues them... Uh, gives the father the reasoning why they can't go back for the dog. Budget. Bunch of reasons. Cause two. He's like, we'll do it for a boy, but we're not going to do it for the dog. <laughs> yeah. They that, need to fire that guy. He's he's a lunatic and he needs to go. That was insane. I mean, what they need to do, I mean, you could even do it now. Just, just shoot the movie of him getting home and then splice the old footage together. And release it in theaters. That's what I want to see. They should should have put a GoPro on the dog, and that's it. We just get this POV of the dog walking through the woods and making his way back home. Because it's not like the dog showed up the next day when the boy's in the hospital. The boy's, like, fully recovered, back in school. He's moving on. He's moving on. He's like Peter Parker trying to move on well, from Well, I don't know if he's moving Tony on, because he's still obsessed with the dog, and they're mm-hmm. leaving, like, have you know like missing dog posters all over the and his love interest is like town. you're a hero and he says no the dog's the a dog's hero. the hero but he didn't say yellow dog he just said the dog who's who's watching this movie that's the greatest question of all that i don't know if we can answer that we'll never answer and it's not it, and i'm being serious it's not a bad movie no i think it's competently made i like the music a lot mm-hmm um, I think the I think Jesse Bradford is fine. The dog is amazing. Watch it for for Dakota. Seriously, just watch the dog in like every shot, and you'll be amazed. Bruce and Mimi are fine. His little brother, though, is like the most demonic looking child <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. In, inspired by Chucky from Child's Play. The weirdest looking boy <laughs> I've ever seen. Almost to the point where I was creeped out. Did you like this movie? You know, it's okay. I would say it's like middle of the road. It's just so middle of the road, which yeah. is fine. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I uh, wish it was. Mm-hmm. I wish there was a grander sense of adventure. I agree. That's a that's the the thing here. It's very forgettable in the sense that you don't have this homeward bound, this like nice 
chemistry that's going on with the characters because the boy and the dog, the dog's the greatest, but the boy and the dog never got like this great sense of like connection between the two. Did you? I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't fantastic. Uh, I was just watching the dog. And at one point, the dog fights like wolves off, and there's this great like Batman versus Superman shot of them like running toward each other. And then when they meet in the middle, I don't know if you've noticed this, you could tell they were like playing. They clearly were just like, hey, go play with your friend. <laughs> yeah. And, they, and then they added growls to it, which uh, really helped amplify the tension. This is, there, there are little pieces that you're talking about that really makes me excited to skip forward to the spot the fake. It's a Let's lot do of it stuff. now because I'm, I don't have much more to say. Okay. I mean, I like the movie. Yeah, we, would you say it's worth watching? It's an hour and 15 minutes. I'd say put it on the background and it's, no, no, it's no, no. the Don't movie do that because you have to watch the dog. For the, well, there are moments that you're like, you can put it on the background like folding towels, but once the dog comes up, He'll be putting those towels down. One question, though. Yeah. Angus, this girl in this movie, Sarah, is like obsessed with Angus. Do you think they ever hooked up and got married? No. You don't think so? I think they... She, she was like hot for him. There was another movie I saw recently. And I won't say what it is, but two main characters had the same thing going on. He was totally oblivious to this. They never hooked up because of that reason. I think Angus well, is the same way. He's oblivious. He's not oblivious because she kisses him. But and he's like wobbling in the street. But he's also like, oh, well, I don't know if that's something I can do. He would be a fool not to. You would think so, but you 1995 never know. me would have been losing it <laughs> had I watched me too. this as a kid. Me too. All right. So overall grade, I guess like uh, we said, like it's, it, it's worth watching. But is it something that gets a high grade from you? It's like a C plus. Yeah. A generous C plus. I'd say a C. Dakota's a C. an A. Oh, yeah. For sure. Watch it, as, as we said. Best thing that we can say coming out of this, watch it for Dakota the dog. All right. I've, I've had enough of talking about Dakota the dog because most of this, as I said, is about Dakota. For Spot the Fake. Are you ready for this. Hit me. Four pieces of trivia. You have to find the fake. Okay. Number one, this film was nominated for three different awards. <laughs> Number two. That seems so stupid that it has to be true. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like some animal award that I didn't know existed. Number two. Animal rights nearly shut down production oh due to an incident involving a fake deer. Number three, film crews used an animatronic dog during some of these scenes. Number four, and the final one, in addition to Dakota, four other labs were used in the making of this movie. Okay, so let's go to the first one again. Start from the top? Yes. Here we go. I'm Number just going to do a quick, like, I'm just going to say that's real. Okay. Number one. Nominated for three different awards. That's real. Animal rights nearly shut down production due to an incident involving a fake deer. Mm, okay. Film crews used an animatronic dog during some scenes. I didn't notice that, so I think that might be fake. Because when the dog falls off that cliff thing, you can tell it's not moving in any way. It's just like this doll. 
the final one, in addition to Dakota. I think that's real, too. Or, okay. So the, I think the first and the last are real. Okay. So you boil it down to number two and number three. I'm trying to think if a deer was even in this movie. Is there a deer in this movie? I can answer yes. I can also confirm that it was during that scene that involved the Batman-Superman scene, as you described, them running toward each other. Okay. Hmm. Because that was whenever Yellow Dog took on a bobcat. (laughs) (laughs) I hate this. Um, I'm going to say the animatronic one. Locking it in. I'm locking it in. I'm going with my gut. Final answer. You're incorrect. But you were very close. The animal rights thing is not true. Now, here's the thing. There was a deer involved, as I said. I was not misleading you there. But this film was not shut down in any way. Now, after researching this, I did it after watching the film and everything, except for the animatronic dog. There were, you know, some scenes that I'm like, okay. I do remember when Dakota was attacking the bobcat. It is clearly not like the bobcat. It looks like a puppet that it's biting. And as you said, adding the sound effects of it growling and and all of that. The, I will say the deer, we don't actually see the deer, but it's lying, there is a deer that's lying on its side, and that's the one that technically the bobcat's feeding on. Oh, that on. it's eating. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's, that, that's the deer um, that I use to create my fake trivia bet. The other four, before we go, uh, the other four labs, in addition to Dakota, we've got Schroeder, Augie, Foster, Linus. All dead. Why have to bring that up? <laughs> that's all I can think about. <laughs> That's all I've got for Far From Home, The Adventures of Yellow Dog. I don't know if you want to do this. Do you want to spend a little more time in 1995? I do. I was going to ask you, do you know, just for fun, I looked up the top 10 grossing movies in America for the year of 1995. Let's see what you can name. Wow. This is going to be tough. Top movie. One hundred and ninety-one million dollars. People, some of these movies make that in a week. This movie just had a sequel come out this year, this summer. Was it an animate toy? It is one since Toy Story. Toy Story, nineteen ninety-five, number one really? highest-grossing movie, one hundred ninety-one million dollars. Jeez, that's it. Number, wow. Number two. Um, we have a new one of these. A new actor playing this character. Hmm. We haven't seen him yet. It was just announced recently. It hasn't started production yet then? No, but it is in a very... It's in a universe that is... Batman. It's uh, Batman Forever. Yeah, $184 million. Number three is Ron Howard Joint. I always kind of forget he did this one. It's not Apollo 11 or 13. Um, It's around there, though. It is Apollo 13? $172 million. Whoa! Number four, another animated Disney movie that so far we have not gotten a live-action remake of. Um, Fox and the Hound? No. Mel Gibson voices one character in this movie. Oh, wow. Not Brave Little Toaster. Oh. I don't know. 
Pocahontas. Oh, oh right. And then uh, number five, a Jim Carrey comedy. A sequel. A sequel. Can't be the cable guy. Dakota might like this movie a lot. Hmm. What did Jim Carrey do that involves dogs? Jim Carrey has two movies in the top five. Oh, this is this is tripping me out because I feel like Tom Hanks has two movies in the top five. Hmm. You got Mel Gibson with Pocahontas. And you got Mel Mel G. I don't know. What's the Jim Carrey one? This is going to Ace Ventura and Nature. Oh, of course. Uh, rounding out the top ten, GoldenEye, number six, seven, Jumanji, eight, Casper, nine, seven, ten, Die Hard with a Vengeance. What's funny is seven, eight, nine, and ten all made $100 million. That's wild. And did you know that Clint Eastwood had a voice in Casper? Well, he doesn't have, just have a voice. He, his face actually shows up. <laughs> we watched that last October. I need to rewatch that. There's a lot of smoking in it. There's mm-hmm. more swearing than I remember. It's very 1995. They're trying to be edgy. That's edgy for 1995. I love that. We need to, next time we need to do trivia, but for the year of, that's like the theme. Let me ask you, did you like the trivia spot the fake more than the movie review game where you had to spot the fake? Yeah, for critic? sure. I think it's more fun. I think there's more um, room for hijinks. I don't do well on these games, though. I was on a pretty awesome streak for a while there. You were, yeah. And then we stopped doing it, coincidentally. And while you were also really good about stumping me, because you would write that right in front of me. And uh, you would set a timer, 30 seconds. You're next. Don't worry. And so, I'm ready. I'm about ready to stump you. Talking about hijinks and getting stumped, that is teasing ahead to our next episode... And which we'll take a trip over to Sweden oh. where we will attend a little festival, Midsummer Festival to be exact. So we'll have Midsummer, and the, for the old film, we are going to do a deep dive with The Wicker Man. Are we original. officially doing that? I, I, are we? Are, should we make it official now? I'm or should see- we do the Nicolas Cage version? I've really wrestled <laughs> with Because believe it or not, the Nicolas Cage version is on HBO. Then we should, I don't know, because I haven't seen the original. I feel weird watching that one I first. know, I, I haven't seen either. Have you seen the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man? No, just the bees part. <laughs> Who hasn't seen that? Well, we'll figure that out. It's up for debate then. Actually, let us know what you think we should cover on Twitter. Just hit us up so that we'll know. You can do so by shooting us a tweet at Quality Check Pod. You can also let us know on Instagram, Quality Check Podcast. Or shoot us an email to qualitycheckpodcast at gmail.com. So we won't do, we won't decide what the, that film, the old film, will be until you let us know. And that's it for now. Long live Dakota. Quality Check is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA.